You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin, also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Portland, as I sit here and talk to you from my hotel room at, uh, I believe, 135 Central, 1135 here out in the Pacific time zone, which is something I find very strange still. I'm not really used to how early things get done uh, and how, I don't know, it's weird. Uh, I'm I'm not used to specific time zone. Maybe I'll get used to it on the rest of this West Coast road trip uh, as that will continue here in the next couple of days. But for tonight, the Bucks lose to the Portland Trailblazers 118-103. And I think there, there's a bunch of interesting stuff there. And uh, we're going to get to talk about a lot of that. Uh, but earlier in the day, I had... I'm trying to find the tweet right now as we speak. I had um, I had someone ask about how how poorly I've done in describing other arenas and talking about what those arenas have going and what they're all about. Uh, so I'm going to try to catch you guys up on that real quick because I'm going to be at, obviously, a bunch of different places this week. Uh, and that was uh, Nation Allen who had asked uh, for reviews of arenas. And it sounds like I missed the Boston one. Um, so I will try to hit that up quickly. TD Garden, it was super loud that night. Uh, they had the Red Sox in there who had just won the World Series, and the place went crazy for them. Uh, it was very loud. Uh, my seat for that one, not super great. Uh, in the one of the corners, if you can see the picture from that I posted from that night, uh, in the corner, uh, maybe like 10-ish rows up. Uh, not the best vantage point for seeing basketball games, as I mentioned on the pod that night. Uh, when Middleton turned it over late, I had no idea what happened when Giannis uh, had some contact late from Al Horford. I did not at all see what happened because it was on the far side, and I just didn't really have a good look at it. So uh, not the best seat here in Portland. That was very different. Uh, had great seats tonight. Um, Portland has vaulted up to the very top of my list of places to watch basketball for a number of reasons. Uh, media dinner, fantastic. Uh, very good. Enjoyed that. Uh, in the media seating area, there was a candy basket where you could just grab candy from and eat it during the game. Uh, so I had a package of Red Vines. Uh, I think I'm team, yeah, I'm team Red Vines. Um, unless they're Twizzler pulling peels that that's a different story but just twizzlers versus red vines i'm team red vines uh some reese's pieces it was it was fantastic and then post-game beers in the media room that was awesome some craft beer uh that you just get in the media room after the game yeah i'm in on that uh so portland you're very high on the list i didn't even mention where i sat uh it was uh, about on the 
right around even with a basket on the right side of the floor, uh, right in the middle area, and pretty good seat, good view, enjoyed it. I do have to say, the Rose Garden, which they now call Moda Center for some reason, I know the reason, but the Rose Garden insane basketball venue awesome basketball venue there's seating for i think 19,000 at capacity uh, it was a sellout tonight and it's it was striking how modern that arena was because it was built in 1995 and yet it i think it has a bigger lower bowl than Pfizer Forum like it is it's just seats like there's no wasted space there's no like big cutouts for the entrances obviously in, in Pfizer Forum they have like the big uh the see-through kind of concourse which is very nice um but you know that doesn't fit as quite as many seats and the Rose Garden is just about seats man it's seats on seats on seats and that lower bowl is huge and it got loud. Uh, it got especially loud when McCollum cooked DiVincenzo for a second time uh, at the end of the third quarter on that kind of step back move, uh, which we'll talk about here in a little while. But yes, Rose Garden, incredibly impressive. Enjoyed my time in Portland, and we will kind of see what happens going forward. Matt and I had Voodoo Donut uh, this morning. That was fantastic. Um, I had some craft beers last night, also great as well. Uh, so Portland, pretty high on the list. But I'm about to go to Oracle, and I think that's going to be quite the show. Um, I think that is going to be quite impressive. So um, I will try to do a better job on the arena reviews, but um, I would put the Rose Garden up above TD Garden in Boston and above above Spectrum Center in Charlotte. Not not a great arena, the Spectrum Center. Um, I had a great seat. That's the best seat that I've had at a game thus far this year. So uh, if media starts with me, which it does, um, I would say that was my best seat, but probably the worst of the road venues uh, thus far. Target Center good seats similar to what you had with the Celtics didn't have quite as many people in front of you um but not a great seed for me and I don't know that Target Center is a great venue so that should be all the arena reviews if you have more questions let me know all right let's get into this game Bucks lose 118-103 and I tweeted it out but you know I, I don't want it to turn into this, and it very easily could because I do have an ego, and you know I, I do hope that you are listening every day. Um, but I, I kind of said this was going to happen. Uh, I mentioned the fact that you know Mike Budenholzer has made it pretty clear that they're not really going to game plan for teams. That, that's just not something that they're going to do. They're going to play their scheme they're going to get their reps in their reps are going to be more important in that scheme in the long run of 82 games as opposed to uh just one-off games here uh in november and that's kind of how they're gonna go about it and obviously you guys will remember frank and i arguing about this after the boston game and you know frank mentioning the fact that well, if you're willing to adjust in the fourth quarter, why don't you adjust in the first or second or third quarter? And I mean, I think it's a valid question. And, you know, like I said that night, I I can't really speak to how important those reps are. I can't speak to what it means to totally change the way that you, uh, the team that you're coaching has played. 
I can't speak to any of those things. Um, and after that night, you know, I had a couple people, um, I think Baron specifically on Twitter, like reached out to me. It was just like, why won't you criticize coach Bud? Like if Jason Kidd would have done that, you would have killed him. And, you know, I, I think there's probably some merit in that comment. I, I think if, if Jason Kidd had done that last year, um, I would have crushed him for it. And, you know, I think the big thing is that the situation is very different. This is Mike Boonholzer getting his team out to a, a great start in his first year as coach. This is Mike Boonholzer putting in a new system. And I I, th- I I told him at the time, I think if Jason Kidd in his first year would have gotten off to a great start and would have, you know, been putting in a new system, I think I probably would have held back from, from crushing him for you know not making an adjustment quick enough in I think that was game eight at the time or tonight in game 10 and I mean I I guess kind of what I'm trying to say is you know maybe I should crush Mike Boonholzer I I don't know I don't know if that is is the right thing to do and um, I appreciate people you know keeping me honest and trying to say that you definitely need to like you need to hold them accountable and I think what I think what's going to be really interesting here is that you know I th- think it's going to kind of reach a crossroads at some point because it's essentially exactly what happened tonight. the The Bucks kind of got out to a slow start, something that they've been doing throughout this season. They gave up a bunch of threes early. The Blazers start off five of seven from the three point line in the first I think five or six minutes, and they kind of get going and. As the first half goes on, you see that the Bucks aren't switching. You see that the Bucks, uh, you know, aren't high hedging on pick and rolls. That they're dropping their zone, dropping their bigs, and it was pretty much exactly as as I had said it would play out. That you know the Bucks were going to run their scheme, the scheme that they want to run for eighty two games, and just let it. I don't want to say let it ride, but in many ways, kind of let it go in that direction, and eventually make some adjustments and they made the adjustments at the exact same time they made the adjustments against the celtics and that's the fourth quarter first three quarters they they kind of stuck by their guns and said you know this is how we're going to play and uh we're just going to go out and execute in that way and until that point uh, that was just kind of what they believed in I think we saw it again tonight where fourth quarter, it was the same time that we saw it with against the Celtics. Brooke Lopez re-enters, and that's when things change. You, tonight you saw Brooke Lopez uh, you know, sticking with guards as they came off those screens, coming out to the level of the ball, and going out of his way to you know try to make the guards uncomfortable. And I think... You know, when you you kind of go through some of those things, um, it, it it's just a tough spot because the the players understand what's going on. Uh, after the game, you know, you talk to all of those guys and they understand it. Uh, as I tweeted out after the game, Eric Bloodsoe said, we made good adjustments. They were good adjustments. We just made them too late. Giannis mentioned something uh kind of similar as well uh where he mentioned uh just the idea that you know when you're you're looking at what they did like 
you know, Giannis said they let McCollum and they let Lillard get too comfortable early. And then you saw Chris Middleton. Uh, I asked specifically, you know, about the scheme with the with with guards that can shoot off the dribble. Uh, and I laid it out as, you know, game one, you saw Kemba Walker kind of hurt you in this scheme. Uh, and now here in game 10, you see CJ McCollum hurt you in this way. And, you know, what are the problems with the scheme and kind of how all this works? And Chris said, they just take advantage of our coverage. In our coverage with guys that can shoot threes, pull-ups, mid-range, get all the way to the rim, it's a B-I-T-C-H to cover them in that coverage. We just have to do a better job getting into them and making it a little bit tougher, but credit to McCollum, he made a lot of tough shots and some big shots. And that is a, that's a correct, uh, that's a correct assessment. Like McCollum on the night was 8 of 10 from mid-range and I, I know our good friend of the podcast Dean Maniat at all the bucks on Twitter also tweeted out the mid-range numbers for the game the Bla- the Blazers were 19 of 24 from mid-range and you know if you're the bucks you're probably pretty happy with that number that you forced 24 mid-range shots uh you only allowed 24 shots in the paint and then 38 above the break threes and five corner threes and the blazers shot a good percentage on those uh but still like you forced the mid-range shots as you wanted to and it just didn't end up working because these shot makers were able to make those shots. And, you know, I asked Bud about it after the game. You know, do you feel like you're kind of playing a dangerous game with these guys because uh, you're talking to them or you're essentially letting really talented scores get going by, you know, giving some of those early twos. And he said, you know, I think they got going from the three-point line to start the game. And then, uh, you know, as the game went on, they kind of hit some tough shots. And, uh, you know, we got them into some of the spots that we wanted. But, you know, we'll see if we can do some things differently. And I just think it's – I think players in many ways would reflect the same opinion as – the fans listening to this because I'm I'm guessing and I don't know I'm guessing that as I've laid all this out you're all sitting there thinking you idiot why won't you just say that the Bucks should put a specific game plan in to stop guards like this like this is you 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 knew what was gonna happen before the game Eric you predicted before the game this is exactly what would happen and you predicted that you know as they play the Golden State Warriors this is gonna happen again and I would say yes, I do agree with that. But at the same time, that scheme is going to be quite good and quite helpful against a lot of teams that don't have talents like the guys that we're talking about. They don't have Dame Lillards. They don't have CJ McCollum's. They don't have Steph Curry's. They don't have Clay Thompson's. They don't have Kemba Walker's. Uh, in the Celtics' respect, they don't have Kyrie Irving in them. They don't have Al Horford who can take advantage of uh, this scheme in the same way. So, you know there's a lot of teams out there that don't have those guys. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, 55 or so, 55 or so wins is quite possible just with this scheme that, you know, you can play this way and you can attack each game as, you know, kind of a way to go out there and get wins. And, you know, there's going to be games against guys that are this talented that it's going to go this way. And it at least appears now that 
that is something that Mike Boonholzer is willing to accept. And I think he's willing to accept it. I think you're starting to see the players push back against it a little bit because they they clearly understand what's going on. I think Mike Boonholzer understands what's going on, but Boonholzer's decided to do this. And obviously fans know what's going on as I heard back from you after that night. Like, why won't you just say that, you know, they should do it a different way. They should make these adjustments earlier. And I just think that's, that's kind of the tough part. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of think through some things. Uh, there was an interesting comment uh, to me from Brian Ulringer, uh, who is the head video coordinator for the Washington Wizards and has now been, you know, kind of doing some videos on Twitter. Um, and he said this, many coaches will continually tinker and end up basically changing their defensive strategy 10 times in an 82-game season. The Bucks went from being a super aggressive trap team to an extreme drop coverage that takes a lot of time and reps to perfect. Bud definitely wants to win every game, but first and most importantly, he wants to drill down habits and style of play defensively that he wants to go with. Also, you have to have practice time. In the NFL, you have all week to scheme for one game. In the NBA, you have a dozen, or you have a day often without practice. Implementing something without practice is difficult. And, you know, when, when I kind of think through all of that, I mean, this is kind of what I've been talking to all of you about, is that you know, I think Mike Boonholzer clearly prioritizes the idea that our scheme is going to be run this way. We believe in this, and we want to get really good at this. And I think a lot of fans want to win games. And when they can see the problem and understand what the problem is, and even before the game understand that this is going to be a problem, they want to see that something done to combat that problem. And it just appears like early in the season – Mike Boonholzer is punting on it. And I totally understand frustration, and I totally understand people being frustrated with me for not going out and saying, this is silly, Mike Boonholzer, fix this. Like, I get it. I understand why people would want me to say that. And I know even Frank uh, kind of pushed back against me saying this. And that night, you know, I mentioned I'm not an NBA coach, and a bunch of people said, well, you critique NBA coaches all the time. I do. So... That was the wrong choice of words, but I guess the thing I've never been a part of is trying to figure out how to overhaul a scheme and what's important in doing that and how many reps are needed for that and you know what all of that looks like over an 82-game schedule. So I think that's kind of where that's going to be. And as we talked with Mike Boonholzer after the Celtics game, he made it very clear that that's what he believes in, that more so than even a number of other coaches, he believes in getting his team to play the way that he wants his team to play, and that comes first and foremost. And I I think that means, you know, you're going to probably continue to be frustrated as a fan when you see these type of games pop up on the schedule. When you hear me talk about it, you see it for yourself. You see a guy that can really hit some pull-up looks, uh, a guy that can really take advantage of the other of the Bucks' defense off the dribble. Like you're going to see it, you're going to know that the Bucks might struggle that game, and then the Bucks will struggle. Like I think that's going to continue to be frustrating because I don't know when that changes. Maybe that changes in the playoffs. Maybe it doesn't. Um, and to me, that is really where. To me, that's where the critique really begins. That, you know, if in the playoffs we saw 
this past year under Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd figured out, uh, or excuse me, not Jason Kidd, Joe Prunty, uh, figured out and Jason Kidd the year before figured out that, you know, against the Raptors and against the Celtics, this team needs to switch. And they kind of unleashed Thon maker and they found a way to, you know, make those really interesting series. And they did so by doing some things that maybe they weren't doing in the past and using Thon maker, uh, when he had fallen out of the rotation and just kind of specifically tailoring a game plan to that team that they were playing. And, as Frank mentioned the other night, you sometimes can't make those switches very quickly. You can't you can't do that in a playoff series. You have to be good at that thing already if you want to be able to be good and execute it against a team in the playoffs. And I think that's where that's where the crossroads is. And I, I'm very curious, especially after this game, in hearing Bloodsoe, Middleton, and Giannis all kind of touch on that. I think it's going to become really interesting to see if, um, I don't want to say tempers flare, but you know, if, if philosophies kind of collide and the players feel differently about this than the coach. And, uh, if at some point they say like, you know, we would really like to start doing this. We would really like to go out and win this game. We know that if we play this drop coverage, we are essentially tying our hands behind our back and putting ourselves at a disadvantage for the first three quarters. As a player, I think that would get really frustrating. And then I think the question becomes, okay, is a player being frustrated running the scheme that they're supposed to run? Are those good reps? Are those reps that you want? And I think that's kind of what you have to keep your eye on going forward. So um, that would be kind of what I'm watching. And again, like I said, I understand some of you are going to be frustrated and I don't, I don't really blame you. Um, because going into this, I, I kind of told you what was going to happen. And I mean, I think that's largely what happens. So, um, we'll see going forward, how that changes throughout the season. Um, is there a willingness to adjust? Is there a willingness to game plan for teams as we get to game 30, as we get to game 40, game 50, 60, 70, 80 into the playoffs? When does that come? Does it come? Then, then I think that's really where that that question becomes really interesting because, like I said, a lot of nights, scheme is going to be great. It's going to work against a lot of guys. There's just you know a, a smaller upper echelon of players in this league that can really take advantage, and we'll have to see kind of how that goes uh, over time. So keep your eyes on that. We can watch all of that. Some other things from this game. Obviously, McCollum scoring 40, huge deal. That was that was a big part of the game. But I think truly where the game swung was at the start of the fourth quarter. And it it was Evan Turner. When you watched that Bucks that Bucks attempt at a comeback, uh, you know, they go into the fourth quarter down 9177. And, you know, you're, you're kind of trying to, trying to figure out exactly what will be, uh, what will be what And the Blazers roll out a lineup of bench guys, Lillard and McCollum, both off the floor and the Bucks just trying to go out there and compete. And they kind of get hot to start, to start that quarter 
Ersan Ilyasova hits a three. Chris Middleton hits a three. Then Chris Middleton hits a two, and that lead quickly goes from 91-77 to 91-85. So it becomes a six-point game in less than two minutes. And then Myers Leonard hits a three. Tony Snell answers again, gets it back to six. Evan Turner hits a pull-up two. Uh, Then Evan Turner hits another pull-up two. And all of a sudden you're you're looking at a spot where the Bucks had got it down to six, and then very quickly it goes back up to ten. Giannis gets a dunk, and then the Blazers take a timeout. And in the aggregate, the Bucks had picked up six points there and were able to get it to 98-90, which is undeniably positive. You you gain six points, that's great. But when you think about those two Evan Turner pull-up jumpers. Uh, they were two tough shots, two pretty well-guarded shots, two shots late-ish in the shot clock. There's a chance that, you know, even if you just get stops there, it's a six-point game instead of an eight-point game. And, you know, if you add in another basket where, you know, there was a play where Giannis goes up, yeah, in that sequence, Giannis went up for a dunk. It looked like there was contact, no call. Uh, and then Evan Turner goes down on the other end and, and hits that shot. Like, you know, if you get that dunk, you get those two stops, those two Evan Turner jumpers bounce out. All of a sudden, it's a four point game with 740 left when the Blazers, or 729 left when the Blazers take their full time out uh, in four point deficit with Lillard and McCollum coming back on the floor. To me, that was kind of where the game was won, and Evan Turner ends the night with the best plus-minus of anyone on the floor at a plus-21, and to me, that was kind of where it was sealed. Like They had their chance. They couldn't quite get back. Uh, They had their starters on the floor, Uh, so you have Giannis and Middleton on the floor while Lillard and McCollum are out, and it's great that you're kind of able uh, to do that. But at the same time, you just couldn't get quite over the hump. And it's a guy like Evan Turner, uh, you know, who's a bench guy and who's had some ups and downs. But, you know, in that moment, he comes up huge and kind of helps seal that game. And what that created was a little bit of a controversy um, as Giannis gets up to 37 minutes and he comes out with 450 left in in the fourth quarter. And at the time the Bucks were trailing, obviously. Um, but at the time Bucks trailing, uh, not one Oh six 95 and Giannis doesn't come back in the game. Uh, after Giannis comes out with four fifty left, Evan Turner hits a three, uh, that puts the Blazers up 14 and you know, they kind of try to push their way back in, but it never really gets that close. They they get it to, I think they got it to 10 at one point, but for the most part, they, they were trailing by quite a bit, and that ultimately means Giannis sits out the final four minutes and 50 seconds of the game and doesn't get a chance to kind of bring them back. And again, like I said, he already had 37 minutes, Uh, so playing him for that final four and a half would have put him up at 42, but that is something we regularly saw under Jason Kidd. And it it was just kind of interesting to, to think about the, again, this is another difference between Mike Boonholzer and Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, obviously, I I don't think would have had a problem playing Giannis 42 minutes. 
Um, I think that's very obvious from what we saw last year. Mike Boonholzer, on the other, other hand, um, yeah, didn't didn't really love that idea. And again, I think there's there's merits on both sides. So uh, I asked Mike Boonholzer after the game, kind of what his thoughts were in in doing that. And he said, well, we got in foul trouble early with Chris, so some of our no, normal ro- rotations were off a little bit. Chris Middleton, he picked up two fouls there in the first quarter. This is me annotating. Um, so he picked up two early fouls that kind of moved the Bucks out of their normal rotation. So we got in foul trouble early with Chris, so some of our normal rotations were off a little bit. But Boonholzer said, he continues, I think Giannis started the fourth quarter, so took him out. Try not to play him too long. Couldn't figure out whether we were going to get it underneath 10 and whether it was going to be a game or not. Brooke was shooting it so well as we had a bunch of shooters and spread. I think we could, we had, I think if we had got it to eight or six, he'd have gone back in, but it just worked out where he didn't come back in. And I mean, I, I do think it's striking that, you know, Giannis is not on the floor as their team, as his team is making a comeback. And, you know, after the game, we asked Giannis about it and, you know, kind of how he, kind of how he viewed it and I mean he he wasn't happy he was not happy that he did not get to go back into the game and uh, I mentioned that you know Boonholzer had told had told us that Giannis would have gone back in and if the deficit was cut to six or eight and as I told Giannis that he kind of nodded his head and said okay, I guess if that's what he said, that's what he said. And then he replied, for me, as the leader of this team, I don't think it really matters what the game score is. It's an ego thing. When my team is down by 10 or 11 or 12, I want to be in there. It's simple. I don't want to be on the bench. He took me out with five minutes left. I thought I was going to go back in. It doesn't matter if we're down 20. My teammates have to see that their leader is out there fighting to get back even though we're down eight or 12 or 14. And, you know, it, there was real frustration in Giannis's voice. And, uh, you know, he has to kind of figure out what things are going to be like under Mike Boonholzer. And, you know, Mike Boonholzer is going to have to figure out what Giannis wants and, you know, what is going to upset Giannis. And uh, I think the answer to what is going to upset Giannis is always not being on the floor. <laughs> that that's that's something that he just doesn't like. We saw it obviously uh, when the Bucks diagnosed his uh, head injury against the Magic, and he had to sit out in the second and the third quarter for uh, evaluation. And you know, I, I I think there is a lot of validity to not playing Giannis 42, 43 minutes in the first game of a four game West Coast road trip that features a back to back on the backside. I think there's a lot of validity to that. that I, that, however, is not how Jason Kidd would have approached it. And I do think in many ways Giannis got used to playing those those outsized minute loads. And again, I think there's a lot of protecting Giannis from himself that Mike Boonholzer is doing in that situation. But at the same time, I think if you're Giannis, you want that you want that last chance to go out there and try to win the game that you just want that as a competitor and he didn't get that and i think it makes for a a really bit of a really interesting bit of conversation and also a really interesting uh you know kind of situation between Giannis and bud because i think 
we've seen that Bud is going to do everything he can to protect Giannis from himself. And, you know, I think Giannis is going to do everything in his power to be out on the floor. And I just think it makes for a really interesting dynamic. I'd be curious, you know, what people think if, you know, if Bud was in the right to kind of try to save him or if, you know, you want to see Giannis out there. Um, But to me, those are the two... Those are the two big ideas from this game is kind of the idea that Mike Boonholzer and and really it it, it creates a larger idea. Like Mike Boonholzer believes in certain things and he's going to coach in that way. So he believes in this scheme and early in this season, he's going to make sure that that scheme is uh, imparted imparted to his team and his players and that they understand it and the important things in that system. And then I think the other thing is going to be that, you know, he's going to protect Giannis from himself. Giannis would love to play 48 minutes a night, uh, and he would love to be out there even more, but, you know, that's not always the best thing for him. And at times, you know, you got to step up and do what you can to keep him from from kind of hurting himself in that way. So I think really a lot of interesting stuff there. I've mentioned very few of the stats. I can go through them very briefly. Giannis, 23 points, nine rebounds, six assists, uh, six turnovers as well. Chris Middleton, 22 points, eight rebounds, six assists on the night. He was eight of 19 shooting. Uh, as Giannis was sitting out, Middleton was in and uh, really was kind of forcing up some shots late and just wasn't falling for him. Brooke Lopez, 22 points, 6 of 10 from the three-point line, four rebounds, assists, and a block for him. Uh, really a hot shooting night for him. And then the I, the I think the big one of the big things in this game was not only were the Bucks losing to the Blazers' guards on the defensive end, on the offensive end, they weren't getting any, anything back. Uh Eric Butts on the night, two for 12, just one of seven from three. He has five points, seven assists, two rebounds, a minus 14 on the night. Malcolm Brogdon in 27 minutes, four points, two for eight shooting, three rebounds, four assists, uh, a turnover for him. So some struggles there. And really, it, it was the those three guys that I mentioned at first, uh, Giannis, Chris, and Brooke, they end up going for 67 of the Bucks, 103. Uh, and the rest of the team just really wasn't doing a whole lot there. Uh, for the Blazers, is McCollum with 40. Uh, then Evan Turner with 16 points, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. Uh, Lillard didn't score in the second half. He had 11, I believe, in the first quarter, but then got real quiet. Nurkic had 12. Jake Lehman had 10. Uh just really not a lot of to that it was really about the guards that you know you you look at Lillard and McCollum 53 points on the night Bledsoe uh just ends up hitting uh two of 12 Brogdon two of eight nine points on the night for those two and uh in many ways that was kind of where the game was lost so uh, those are my thoughts on the game. There's a lot more stuff to get into. Uh, can talk a little bit about Dante DiVincenzo and some of his struggles and the baptism by fire that he's kind of had here in these first 10 games and the fact that he's going to get an even uh, harsher fire on uh, Thursday as the Bucks head over to Oakland. Uh, so we can talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about... Um, you know, Tony Snell, his role, Pat Connaughton, and kind of what he was up to. And uh, I think there's some more to talk about. So we can talk about all of that uh, when we get together with Frank tomorrow. Uh, much more 
about this game and uh, a preview of the Warriors game coming up for you on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Bucks. So, uh, Bucks lose 118-103, and I'm just about done here, so hopefully I'll get this up in a little while for you so that you can have it in the morning all ready to go uh, for you on your morning commute. So, for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.